0: Open your Bibles to the book of St. John today, chapter 3, John chapter 3. Thank you, Cindy, for that beautiful song. Always get nervous when she hits a high note. The reason we switched the plastic over here. <laughs> so that you would not bust the bubble. When you leave today, we're going to have you give you one of these gifts before we leave this morning. This is a calendar card by, from Nancy and me uh, with the, my favorite verse of scripture and with a uh, greetings for Christmas, but on the back is a place to go to certain needs in your life. You know, you got fear, you got anxiety, depression, and so forth. And just sort of bookmark, or you, and if you put it in your Bible or somewhere, and I just ask you to pray for us. I appreciate that so much. I know you do, and I appreciate you doing that. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God, please. John chapter 3, many of you know the passage probably pretty well. The context, the choir sang a while ago about it. For God so loved the world, and I want to make an address from that subject today also. I'll try not to talk too loud. I'll try to get through the sermon with my voice. I'll read one verse, and you know the context of Nicodemus coming to Jesus. It's all talking about being born again, etc., and I believe Nicodemus got right with the Lord that night. But the Bible says in verse 16, well, let's read verse 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Yeah. For God, so love the world. Say it, please. Mm-hmm. That, that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, should not perish. but have everlasting life. That he everlasting life. I direct your attention to verse 16, third word. I'll preach from today, the Lord willing. Father, thank you for the beautiful singing. Thank you for the privilege we have to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank you for the refreshments of the rain that came down from heaven. Lord, you share blessings on us many, many times that we sometimes take for granted. But Lord, we're grateful for your blessings to us during these days. And yes, as we get older and as we fight battles, sometimes the battles seem almost insurmountable. But we know that the battle is the Lord's, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Lord, we need Your help today. So make me a blessing in these few moments together. I'll give You praise, honor, and glory for it. Thank You so much in Jesus' name for His sake. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It will be a very simple sermon. Much of it I may read instead of trying to remember as I move away from the pulpit. The only request I have from my wife when I move away from the pulpit, she says I'm getting too edge, too close to the edge. I don't know if that means she's afraid I'm going to fall off or I'm going to walk on air one or the other. I was sitting back in the room waiting for the choir to come out a while ago, and I saw Darren Cox running across the parking lot. His wife wasn't after him. <laughs> a dog wasn't after him. He was just running. I don't know what he The coat was flapping in the wind. And then he come in and I sat out in the hall and he said, "I'm wore out." I said, "I used to do that." That's another sign, right? John 3:16, great verse of scripture. It's the greatest text in the Bible. Amen. Martin Luther said, "If you take away all the rest of the Bible, you'll have a miniature Bible." In John 3:16, I've got a series of sermons that I forget the name of the preacher preached. He preached about 20 weeks on John 3:16. But he took every word and dissected it, every word. And in every word there is a sermon, one of the greatest verses in all the Holy Writ. It's become familiar, very familiar to us that sometimes we almost bypass the greatness of it. But John 3.16 is still the greatest text in the world. Amen. And I want to talk to us about the little word, so, for God so. What a wonderful word. What's it mean? Why do we use it? What's it mean to you when you say God so? For God so. He said, for God so loved the world, that's mankind, humanity, that God loved the whole world, that's me, that's you, that He gave His only begotten Son. And all we have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we shall not perish, but have everlasting love. Number one, the reason why the word so was there, the love of God is indescribable. There's no way to describe the love of God. I was sharing, I think, last week, or maybe it was Wednesday night. No, it wasn't Wednesday. I was out Wednesday last time I talked to somebody, who was talking about it, and uh, I mentioned the word so, and uh, sometimes we have difficulty trying to define God, but uh, Brother Fred's brother, Harold was in Appalachian, he called me one night, one day, and he said, he said Preacher, I need a help from you, and I said, what is that? He said, I'm doing a, a paper, and I need a definition of God. I said, you didn't ask me a big question, brother. He said, that's the reason I called you. Because I got to define God, I said well, biblically. First John four says God is love. That's a pretty good definition of God. But that doesn't comprehend it all. And uh, I said it's better described than it is defined. And you can describe the love of God by reading First Corinthians thirteen, and you can define the, describe the love of God by reading other passages in the Bible in the word love. Love is given to us as a verb, also as a noun, throughout the Holy Bible. And God loved us. So I'm not trying to define it today, because you can't define God. He's beyond, you can't put him in a test tube and dissect him and say, this is this, 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 this. We don't even know where he come from. Because he didn't come from anywhere. He's always been. Boy, you said, preacher, that's hard to grasp. That's the reason why he's God and we're not. Not My little finite mind cannot grasp the great things of God, the great mysteries of God. And we get to heaven, somebody says, I'm going to ask God, why did, for instance, did Adam have a navel? Think that one through for just a moment. That's Deep. I'm not sure we're going to ask those kind of questions, but people got all kinds of questions they ask. What can King get his wife? Et cetera, et cetera. And he goes on and on and on. I don't know all the great answers to the mysteries of life. And probably when we get to heaven, it won't really matter to some degree. Once we behold the face of the Son of God, I think we'll be transformed even more than we were when we got there in greatness and glory and adoration unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm glad for that. See, the difficulty in describing... The indescribable. To discuss it, it's sort of like me being a little league ball player and playing first time in Yankee Stadium, just beyond my comprehension to do that. The biggest word in the Bible, what is the biggest word in the Bible? I mean letter-wise. Uh, some of them are 18 letters long. several are 14 letters long. For instance, whethersoever, I think it's 13 letters long. Nebuchadnezzar is about 14 letters long. Actually why we call him Neb, for short. Nebuchadnezzar, just make up a name. I have some of these, like Deuteronomy, I just call it dute. I have trouble pronouncing those big words sometimes. But we find Nebuchadnezzar. And then here's one, you got 18 letters. Mary Shalel, Pass. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 1. You said you didn't pronounce it right, you pronounce it then. <laughs> if you need a name for a child to be born, go to Isaiah 8, 1 and take that word and use it for your child's name. That was Isaiah's son. It meant speedy. So if you've got a child that's speedy looking, call him <laughs> <laughs> The other one is found in Judges 3, 8. 18 letters long. What's the largest word in the Bible, our King James Bible? It is not those guys I just mentioned. It is not Nebuchadnezzar nor whithersoever. It is so. So. No, it is so. How big is the love of God? How many people does He love? How many sins can He forgive? So. Love the world. Every individual that's ever lived, God loved them. From Adam all the way to the last individual that shall grace this earth. God loves them with an everlasting love. And God loves them so much, He wants every one of them to go to heaven when they die. And He paid a price to make that possible. He loved us so much. Charles Spurgeon, the great orator, he died early in life, I think he was 58, 57 years of age. He probably has more sermons in print than any preacher uh, alive today, perhaps. But he said, come ye surveyors, bring your chain and try to make a survey of the word soul. Nay, that's not enough. Come hither ye that make our national surveys and lay down your charts for all nations. Come ye that map the sea and the land and make a chart of the word so. So I must go further. Come hither ye astronomers with your optic glasses, spy out ye astronomers with your optic glasses, out spaces before which imagination staggers. Come hither and encounter the calculations worthy of all your powers. When you have measured between between the horn and the space, here is a task that will defy you even now. God so loved the world. You cannot survey it out. You cannot occupy it. You cannot contain it. You cannot put it into a test tube. It's beyond our comprehension. So the difficulty I have today is describing to you even the word so. It makes a relationship to our wonderful God, our Heavenly Father, the great Jehovah Elohim, the great Father of all of us physically. And the great father of all of us spiritually, if we've been saved, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. The declaration, it's been the theme of every writer that's ever written about the, uh, the word of God. It's the song of every singer. It's the substance of every sermon. It has difficulty, but that's the declaration. I'm going to preach to you about the great declaration in just a minute. Or I'm going that way. About the word soul. I'm going to preach to you a message. I've preached hundreds and thousands of sermons over these years since I was 18 years old. I looked at my little outlines I have in my briefcase. I have a little piece of paper about that long. Point number one, point number two, point number three, point number five, five six, seven. I have just all points. And that's what I preach from. And somebody says you ought to go back to those little outlines. <laughs> but after I started older, I started preaching just one point. And each one of them went as long as the sermon went. As you begin to learn more about God, you want to talk more about God. By the way, you know what the problem faith, Baptist church is? Most of us, including the preacher sometimes, we don't love God. Well, oh, you say, a preacher, I love God. I wonder sometimes, you've got to almost make people do certain things, not you, talk about those who are not here. I'm not trying, not trying to criticize anybody. But sometimes it's almost hard to get folks to do right. And they say, well, I know I what know I'm supposed to but I just don't have time to do that, don't have, I can't do that. And they go through a list of excuses, how much do you love God? Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth me. If there's anything that motivates a man's heart or a woman's heart, ought to be the love of Christ. And so often we forget to go to Calvary and sitting down, they watched him there. As the crowd milled around and as some of his dear precious disciples lingered close, and Mary with a broken heart and tears streaming down her eyes, and Jesus said, Behold thy mother, John, take care of mama on the cross of Calvary. You see, he's looking at how people were laughing at him, mocking him, threatening him, and spitting at him. They'd already pulled hair out of his head and out of his beard. They'd already put the lacerations around his back. And now the nails are in his hands and feet. And how he looked down from the cross of Calvary. He looked down through the quarters of time and looked down to 2023. And he still saw me. I was on his mind when he was on the cross of Calvary. You say, preacher, I don't grasp that. I told you it's one of the great mysteries. For the Bible says in the Garden of Gethsemane, he drank the cup of iniquity. He took my sins and nailed them to the cross of Calvary. And then Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Miss Terry said a while ago, I said, how are you doing? She said, I'm blessed more than I deserve. Boy, I echo that over and over again, Mr. Terry. It's a wonderful testimony. I know what I deserve. 77-year-old sinner, just a piece of clay made in the image of Adam through the direct command of God to Adam to replenish the earth. I'm just a piece of clay. On the scale of importance and the scale of money-wise, my body's not worth a whole lot. You take all the chemicals that are found in dirt, take them all, separate them, and sell them. You may get a dollar or two here, 80 cents here. Most of what our body's worth probably wouldn't come to a $10 bill. You're not worth $10 bill. And most of us are a zero with a side kicked out. We're not very important at all. We're not important. Some people like to push their importance and show how great they are. I'm talking about how great he is today. Amen. Not talking about how great I am how great you are or what great achievement you've done. Were it not for the grace of God, you'd be dead in hell if you're not saved. And were it not for the grace of God, you'd be in heaven. That's a wonderful thought. But don't forget whence comes forth all your blessings to you. The word "so loved, the greatest emotion that's ever been shown. The world, the greatest possible number of people, the whole wide world, he, that He gave the greatest sacrifice. The only, his only begotten Son, the greatest possession that anybody ever had was His own Son. That whosoever, the greatest invitation, believeth in Him, the greatest plan of salvation, should not perish, the greatest damnation, but have everlasting life, the greatest possession. Never know how great until you experience it. The word so, for God so loved me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, when the Lord reached a loving arm down and picked me up and placed me on the rock of ages. I'm glad for the love of God aren't you that goes beyond the high star. Reaches to the lowest hell. If I were a scribe by trade and the ocean was filled with ink. And I took that pen and dipped it in the ink of the ocean and began to write on the parchment skies, the love of God. The songwriter said it would drain the ocean dry. How big is God's love? It's so big I can't describe it to you today. It's so big that it's indescribable. Number two, the love of God is unquenchable. He loves us. It's real. And this really motivates me to some degree. When I think about it, I'm not trying to be emotional today, just trying to please the Lord. And I'm telling you, when you stop and think about God loving you, why does He love me? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm this or I'm that. And I said a while ago, well, just nothing but a piece of dirt, That's right. just a little bit of mud put together with the breath of God. What really matters is the breath that God gave us. And I'm glad that when we get saved, the Holy Ghost of God comes to dwell on the inside to help us do what we've got to do. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. In the New Testament, the Holy Ghost came to dwell on the inside. So God's everywhere. Everywhere you go, God is. Everywhere I walk, everywhere you go, God is. Everywhere I go, God is. But I cannot satisfy my hunger and my thirst to understand the word soul. The truth is, the fact that Jesus died, He died. What's that mean? The day God died. You see, the Godhead is the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Lehman Strauss has a book of sermons about Calvary. And he said the day that God died, God the Son died on the cross of Calvary, but it was the glorious God-man, so he knew what it was to die as a man. He also knew what it was for a point in time to die as God. When you say, Preacher, did things fall apart when he died? No, there's God the Father. He's still in charge. There's God the Holy Spirit. He's still moving God the Son. The day God died, it turned dark on this earth. I mean, God created them. They were there in the, in the dawn of creation. God the Father, God the Son, God the creation, God the Holy Ghost. They said, let us make man in our image. Amen. I mean, the Trinity was found in Genesis chapter 2, chapter 1. And I'm grateful for that. And on the, on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was dying. Yes, He was the Son of Man. Matthew presents Him as the King of Kings and Mark presents Him as the servant, and Luke presents Him as the Son of Man, and John presents Him as the Son of God. All four Gospels tie together, to weave together, give us a picture of this glorious man, God, Jesus Christ. The virgin birth was not by accident, it was by design. He was not born of a young woman, as some versions say. He was not born of some young girl, teenage girl. It doesn't say that. It says, "In a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and she'll call his name Jesus. we call his name Emmanuel, meaning God be with us. The Almighty God, the glorious God, the wonderful God, and what a wonderful thought it is. See, the truth is Jesus died. You've got to get that in your mind. And you've got to experience the fact that Jesus died. And you go to, we was at a funeral yesterday, Miss Pam's cousin, and uh, I talked about, Several of us are getting around the same age as the lady that died. She was 75, 76 years of age. And there's several of us there at that age. And I said, we're going to die one day. We're experiencing what death is to a loved one. But can you look back just in a while? Go back to Calvary. Go back to the cross, hanging there in the middle of the day. From 9 to 3 o'clock, he hung on the cross. The early sacrifice, the Judaism took and slayed a lamb. At the evening sacrifice at 3, they slew a lamb. And Jesus was the lamb of God. Amen. And John said, I am nothing, I am just a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Who is this? Behold, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Hallelujah for the cross, hallelujah for the love of God. You may not, You may be able to quench somebody else's love. You may quench the love of a mate and walk out and say, I hate you. You may do that. You may quench the love of a child. As one young lady said in Chicago, Illinois years ago, When they found her dead inside the stall written on the toilet paper, she said, tell my wicked daddy I'll meet him in hell. Well, what an apothec to be put on somebody's life. I'm not sure, but you say, that's terrible, that's awful. Yes, it is. You may quench the love of a friend and say, I'm washing my hands of you. I have nothing else to do with you. We can do all of that, and maybe we have over the years done things like that. But I submit to you, listen very carefully. But we are not mean enough. We're not rough enough. We're not tough enough, or we're not stupid enough, he still loves us. Regardless of what we've done and where we've done it and when we did it, it may affect other people's lives for, for their own entirety of their life, but the fact is, God can love anybody. I mean, he loved the thief on the cross, did he not? And he could save both of them if both of them want to be saved. And the thief on the cross cried out, remember me. That's all he said in prayer. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Getting ready to go to the world that the saved folks went to, to paradise. And he said, I'll take you there. And that thief on the cross, I believe, was saved and we'll see him in glory. He said he wasn't baptized. You don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. Now we can take him down, I guess, and sprinkle a little bit of water on him and say, let's let's baptize him. He did, let's baptize him anyhow because he had to be baptized. He was not baptized. Somebody says, yeah, that's back under the law. With The law and grace, the only one way to be saved is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way, not many ways. How about all those lambs and all those sheep and all, and all all those goats and all those doves and all those cows that were slain down through the history of Judaism? What good were they? They were a type. Because nothing can be accomplished without blood. There had to be a blood sacrifice going all the way back to Cain and Abel. There had to be a blood sacrifice to satisfy a holy and a righteous God. And I'm glad today for the love of God. It's unquenchable. I can't explain it. I just want to fall in love with Him more and more. I hope I can love Him more as I come to the end of my life. I'm not trying to be anything else except just faithful to the Lord. I I feel so inadequate sometimes what I'm trying to do now. But I'm telling you, I just want to love God. I hope there's not a day passes that we don't tell Him. You say, well, I've not even talked to him today. Then shame on you. And the first one at the altar should be you. Would you agree with me? Amen. The first at the altar ought to be a person who's in this room who has not said, Lord, I love you. Because if he didn't say it, be honest with you, you probably don't experience it. Because he's not high on your agenda. That doesn't mean you're not saved. I'm just telling you, we drift. How shall we forsake? How shall we drift? A greater so, so great a salvation. How shall we escape? if we neglect so great a salvation. Every one of us ought to make a point today, sometime today, say, Lord, I love you. Boy, has been good. He better not deserve. And you ought to love him, I ought to love him, and everybody in this room ought to love him. I'm saying a while ago, if all of us, including this preacher, would fall in love with Jesus like we ought to, the church would fill up. God's Holy Spirit's power would fall upon us. We just don't love him. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Greater love hath this than no man, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus Christ willingly and voluntarily died for those sinners like you and me. And all He's asking us to do is take up our cross and follow Him. And He says, go into all the world and love them. Just love them. I know that's a tough one. But we ought to take our little world, whatever it is, and do our best to love the folks around us and let them know we care about them. And somebody needs to hear those words. God loves you. I gave a track accidentally yesterday to somebody and I gave one sort of inadvertently the wrong way. I lost my phone on visitation. Tommy and I were visiting, and I lost my phone. I had my phone out trying to find some information. I got back to the office here, and and I looked for my phone, and, lo, it was not here. I looked in the car, and, lo, it was not there. I got on my church phone and called Nancy and said, would you call my cell phone so I can find out what's that? She called the office. Uh, she says, is it in the office? I don't hear it in the office. Let me go back to the car again. So I went back to the car again, and she called me again, and I said, she said, this is there, and I said, I don't hear no phone, after I went back in to talk to her. Because I had no phone to talk to her, but after I went back, I said, I didn't hear it in the car, I didn't hear it in the office. So I said, well, and I called Tommy and said, Tommy, would you pick up my phone? Tommy's been known to steal my phone from time to time. No. <laughs> but he, said, he didn't get the message anyhow, so later and so I said, well, i got to get in the car and go back to every stop we made and see if I can find that phone. Because your life sometimes is almost in a phone. And uh, so I was going out the door and, and uh, Chad Behrman pulled up and dropped off the kids, I think, for practice. And I said, Chad, how about looking in my car and see if you can find my phone? So Chad, he looked in the car and down in the seats. He said, oh, no, I didn't find your phone, but I found an ink pen. And I said, well, they couldn't do me much good right now, but thanks for finding me, Pete. And then while we were talking, the conversation, well, he, he got a call. I'm not sure how that fell into place. He was talking on the phone to somebody, and somebody called and says, we found the preacher's phone. And then, long story short, I got where it was at. I drove over there. We went to see them earlier. They were not home. Nobody answered the door. Nobody came to the door. But when I got in the driveway, they come walking out my phone. She said, I get the message. <laughs> so what we're going to start doing is leaving our cell phone to people's houses. <laughs> and then we go back and we get to see them because they found our phone. Nobody's got any humanity about them would say, I'm not going to try to get this back to the person that belongs to. Anyhow, then I talked to them for about 20 minutes. I gave her that track we carry so often. Hey, God loves you. God loves you. Great track. And I gave her one of those. I said, You probably have a lot of these, but I'll give you another one. On this day, I want you to know God loves you and He cares about you. She's been crying during the day. Probably the reason why she didn't come to the door. And I'm not really being super critical of the lady at all. She was hurting. But I'm glad that the door opened up to be able to pass out a track. Don't ever be ashamed of Jesus Christ. My wife and I were on vacation a few weeks ago down Myrtle Beach. She said, I'm going to give out more tracks than you do. <laughs> Can you imagine the audacity of a wife? <laughs> trying to give more tracks out than I do. I said, I'll take your purse and I hide it. But every time we go somewhere, she said, nope, I got it. We go to eat, I got it. I think I passed out. Couple of tracks, the rest. she got the rest of them because we ate every hour, only hour. That's what you do on vacation. Sleep the other nine. But stressing out track, just being a blessing to somebody through life. You say, preacher, that's not my cup of tea. It's not, it's not a matter of cup of tea, it's a command. Yeah. Hey, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right. He said to go, come, go into all the world and preach the gospel in your little world, maybe your home, your house. Maybe your neighborhood, maybe somebody close to you, maybe somebody you work with. But everybody can tell somebody about Jesus. If he's the greatest friend you have, why don't you talk about him? If he's the greatest friend you'll ever have, why don't we talk about him? If he's the lover of your soul and the soul of your lover, I wonder if we ought to talk about him more. Just talk about, let's talk about Jesus. I talk about everything, you talk about everything. I'm not criticizing what we talk about in communication. But I do believe we ought to talk more about the Lord Jesus than we do especially those who are unsaved around us. They are not to hear his cuss. And if you cuss, you ought to get on your knees or at least you ought to bow your head and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me for cussing your presence. I shouldn't have done that. You see, when you get saved, it's different now. It's different now. For Jesus made me whole. He changed my life. He changed my life. It's different now. And when you do sin, you know it's wrong and God breaks your heart and you become convicted and say, God, please forgive me and cleanse me. You may quench the love of a friend, a loved one, a child, a parent, But you cannot quench the love of God. And lastly, the love of God is unattainable. It's unattainable. What do you mean by that? Well, all the efforts you can muster up, you cannot attain the love of God. You don't attain it. It's not something you work to get. It's not something you strive for or work hard to do. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the fact is, I can't boast about how good I am uh, for my righteousness is as filthy rags has been alluded to this weekend already. And we do not have anything in us that's worthy of trying to satisfy and have the love of God. Say, God, I'm going to be good so you love me. And God says, I love you whether you're good or bad. Sometimes I hear a parent saying to a child, say, God's not going to love you if you don't straighten up. Oh, that's not true. God loves them regardless. Regardless. You say, but preacher... They need to hear that God's not going to love them. God never vacates His love. He loves them as much today as He did yesterday. He'll love them all the way to the mouth of hell. God loves people. For God so loved the world, mankind, that He gave His only begotten Son. So the love of God is unattainable. It cannot be attained. It has to be obtained. It's got to be received. If you pass out a gift in a few days or if you already have and you pass out a gift, You've got to somebody got to reach out and receive it. It's not how much you do. I'm gonna give you this gift, but if you work real hard, I'll give you another one. I'll give you this and give you this and give you this. If you'll just work hard, I'll give you my love. I'll give you my joy. Those are obtained by having the Holy Spirit in our life. They're obtained not they're received not given. And thank God for that. Some folks say these excuses. Well, preacher, I, I'd get saved, but I'm too bad. How many of you have been bad? put them down. How many's been a bad, I mean, I'm talking about real bad. How many wants to get up here and confess everything you ever did? Well, How about all of us done good? We've probably done pretty bad too. It says filthy rags, the Bible says. Preacher, that's a good man, that's a good woman, that's a good boy, that's a good girl. And I've said that, and many times we say that. That's a good man, and I know what I mean by it, and you know what you mean by it. But there's none good, saith the Bible. There's none good, saith the Lord. We are all sinners, we're all unrighteous. There is none that doeth righteous, no. Not one. And if I get the love of God, it's got to come as a gift from the throne of glory. And God reaches down farther than I can reach up and says, son, I love you. I'll I'll love you to the mouth of hell, but come and go with me. And he lifts me up as I said a while ago, out of my clay and plants our feet on the solid rock. Glory, hallelujah, for the love of God. Calm down, James. Uh, I'm about ready to sit down. (laughs) I'm too bad. When I quit my sin, I'll come. Hey, preacher, I've got so many sin. When I start, when I quit these, when I quit drinking, quit chewing tobacco and enough, when I can quit partying around, I, when I get, I, I, I'll come when I quit my sin. You quit every sin to be as pure as a lily. You could be as white as snow in your eyes, but that's not good enough because he's looking for perfection. And none of us are that. Should we do good things? Nothing wrong doing good deeds to people. During Christmas, people poured their heart out, unsaved and saved alike, to help other folks, and that's great. But the fact is, it's not by your goodness. Well, somebody say, preacher? I know somebody told us this yesterday. When I get ready, I'll be there. When I get ready, I thought in my mind, if he lost Jesus and he can come, he ought to be there, pretty sure. If not here somewhere, because your testimony is on target. Every time we go to church, every time we love the Lord, everyone said, love you, Lord, and we try to obey Him, you're on, you're, on, you're on duty, you're ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a Chinese guy who got saved years ago when he gave his testimony. He said the following words, I had walked through the road of life and fallen into a great ditch of sin. Mohammedism came along and said, you're not really in that ditch You just think you are. Buddhism came along and said to me, here are seven steps by which you can get out of the ditch, and if you'll climb and struggle, you'll make it. He said, I still didn't make it. Confucius came and said, here are ten steps of self-attainment by which you can get out of the ditch. If you come halfway, I'll come the other half and take you out. But struggle I would. I was still in my sin, hopeless and helpless. Then one day... The Nazarene came by, saw my condition. He saw the problem. Without a word of advice, he stripped himself of those regal robes of royalty, stepped to the earth through the womb of the virgin. Yes. He, had the, he that had never sinned became sin. He had never sinned because of sin. He got down in the ditch. He got down in the muck. He got down in the mud. He got down into the sin and lifted me. Picture you in the mud and the pure hands of the Lord Jesus Christ is reaching down because you're reaching up. Thank God when I could not do it for myself, Christ did it for me. When you accept what Christ did for you, you have received salvation. From sinking sand, he lifted me. With tender hands, he lifted me. For in loving kindness, Jesus came to my soul and mercy to reclaim. I close with this illustration. I'm glad for John 3.16. I've done a very poor job explaining the word soul. You might want some time to talk on it, the word soul, and look it up and just go through and find all you can about the word soul. But for God's soul, love the world. See it. He's reaching His hands out, nail scarred, around this whole ugly, filthy, dirty, miry, monkey world. that's full of sin. It gets him locked on the other side and says, I love you. I'd say, he said, it's written in red. It's written in red. It's a love letter written in red. I love you. Dr. A.J. Gordon, a great preacher in Boston, Massachusetts. There was an event when a little boy was standing in the alley as the preacher was leaving the church with a cage. And in that cage were some field birds, wrens, and sparrows that he captured. Dr. Parker said, son, what are you going to do with those birds? Well he said just like a little boy he said well look here mister as he pulled a wing on the one of the birds and made it scream i like to make them scream i'm going to torture them for a while i'm going to have some fun then i'll feed them to the cats son i'll take those birds from you if you let if you let me have them they ain't no good for nothing he said to the preacher i was a boy and i know the names of every one of those birds and I recognized their voices. I'd love to have them. Mister, you can have them, but you gotta pay for them. How much you gotta pay? How much I gotta pay? He said, you gotta pay five whole dollars if you want my birds before I kill them. He paid the price. The boy walked away with his five dollar bill. Dr. Parker opened the door of the cage so the birds could fly out. He had to nudge them because they were nervous and scared When they did, it seemed as if they were singing as they left the cage, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And Dr. Parker said, Thank God, you're free. But thank God I'm free because I was in the cage of sin and the devil was my master. He wanted to ruin, wreck my life and destroy it and take me to a devil's hell. But thank God the door was open 2,000 plus years ago on the cross of Calvary where I could enter into the grace of God and be a partaker of the marvelous love of God. He loved me. He loved me. He loved me. He loved me. He loved me then. He loves me now and will love me forever and forever and forever. Amen. Let's stand together please. Our heads are about our eyes are close. Thank you for